The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Engaging Truth, the manifestation of God's Word in the lives of people around us. Join us each week as we explore the impact of His message of spiritual renewal. From the lesson of forgiveness forged in the crucible of divorce, to the message of salvation learned by an executioner from a condemned killer, to the gift of freedom found in the rescue of victims of human trafficking. This is God's Truth in Action. Welcome to Engaging Truth. This is Gabe Schultz, your host for this evening's program. Engaging Truth has been around for quite a while, but we try to get the best guests in the world to talk to us about what Jesus means to them and to the people that they serve. And across from me is one of my favorite people, Mike Barber. Mike, welcome to the mic. Always honored to be with you and uh, love your zeal for, for what you do, your calling. And uh, and so uh, it's, it's, it's a pleasure and an honor and a blessing to be here with you. Mike, we asked you to be with us to help us take a deeper look into prison ministry, and you've been there for many years. But tell us where it all began with you. Someone must have dragged you somewhere into something that you didn't want to see, and then you couldn't get away. There was a gentleman, his name was Bunny Martin, actually. Uh, Spent a lot of years in prison ministry, and a dear friend, maybe my best friend at the time, and and, uh, he kept inviting me to go to this place called Prison. And uh, I said, but I ain't interested in going to prison. That's what they, you know, whatever they did, it's what, you know, it's what they deserve and do their time and done with it, you know. But, you know, he just would not stop. He drove me crazy. It's kind of like the woman in uh, Luke there, you know. <laughs> you know, I'm going to give this woman what she wants before she wears me out, you know. Exactly. And uh, that was a uh, bunny to me. And finally... Living south of town in the particular prison was just, I don't know, less than 30 minutes from my house. So I reasoned with myself, can he get more convenient than this? So I'll go. So I went. Told me it'd be a one-hour program in the gym. I said, go do your thing. I'll just go stand in the gym. I'm sure prison officials will want to talk football with me, uh, still be, you know, with the Oilers at the time. And, and so that's what we did. And all of a sudden, they announced over the speaker, number 86 of the Houston Oilers is in the gym. <laughs> and uh, trustee unit, I believe it was, and I, I'm pretty positive my numbers. They said there might have been a total of 200 men in there, and I think they all came out. And they sat on the floor, and I'm over there visiting, and my curiosity got the best of me. I purposely put my back to them. I didn't want to see them. I wanted to get my friend off my back and get out of here. Well, curiosity got me, and I'd kind of look over my shoulder, and they're waving at me, you know, and and I noticed their smiles on their face, and I look back again, and what they do, you know, they look like normal people, and and then so finally, long story short, I got honest with myself. The difference between them and me is they got caught. I dismissed myself. And now the program is probably 20 minutes into the program. My friend up there speaking. And uh, I walked. I realized they were sitting on the cement floor. And for whatever reason, that hit me. And I didn't like that because I saw chairs stacked over up against underneath the staircase. And why weren't they sitting in chairs? And it really bugged me. So I went. I sat down right in the middle of them. Interrupted my friend's speech, which I like that part, getting him back there. But but um, we all sat down, and they were all high fiving me on the floor. 
and patting me on the back and whatever. And I'm sitting there and thinking to myself, I said, what a great bunch of guys. You know, it was over with. I uh, went over to the door, asked the officer, can I shake their hand on the way out? This is the door that came through. I'm sure they'll go out. He said, of course. So that's what I did. First man's black, East Texas, East Texas redneck. I went to shake his hand, and uh, before I knew it, the black black man had put his arms around me. He said, wait a minute, you don't do that to an East Texas redneck, you know. And uh, what did everybody do? Every one of those men, which was probably 80% uh, color, uh, hugged my neck, and I let them. And I went home, got in my recliner, laid back. I said, God, what just happened to me? And he made it crystal clear. He says, I, I delivered you from racism, the way you was brought up and raised to think. And uh, from that moment on, my life changed. And my last six years in the league, I spent my entire off season going from one prison to the next. And not just to speak on a platform, my favorite thing to this day is going cell to cell. As the Bible says, even unto the least of them. And uh, here I am, not realizing it. I was going to go into the NFL as an NFL coach. I had job offers, etc., already. But God had a better game plan for me. And thank God I didn't run from it. And here now, Mike Barber Ministries, because my friend wouldn't give up asking me to go. 34 years later, I'm full time prison ministry and 40 years altogether that we are guilty, I am guilty of going even into the least of them. But what excites you and all of us who go into a prison setting, especially where Jesus is proclaimed, is that you can almost see the scales fall from their eyes. Absolutely. When they come to know the promise that God had given us in Jesus, it changes their life. Explain what you see, and I know that it's difficult because we can't see it either. What you see and what happens during that time. Well, if I can put it this way, when I go in the, inside a prison, sounds odd, but I see freedom. I'm sorry, you go into a church house. Oh, yeah. You don't see freedom. <laughs> That's exactly true. Because you're not going to see people that are willing to admit, I got a problem. I need help. If the message gets a little too strong, they got their keys in their pocket and they slide out the door unannounced, unnoticed, and go on with life. Or in prison, every prison, prison there is freedom. You have men or women immediately will say, I need help. I got a problem. I've been in and out of this place and I need a change in my life. Well, any psychiatrist will tell you. When your patient admits, I got a problem, I need help, that's half the battle. And so that's why we and so many other prison ministries are having such great revival. Because you know, revival means first personal. That's the true definition of revival. Revival is first personal before it can go church-wide, city-wide, state-wide, nationwide, worldwide. There's got to be first true change. Uh, I said just this morning, we use inmates. Uh, Texas allows me to use trustees at our office, at our warehouse. We do so much, so many programs. We have all this heavy equipment, and I don't have the staff. And so I'm blessed two or three times a week to have inmates in my warehouse. And 
to help us get ready for the next outreach and whatever. But just this morning, I sat down with the three inmates, and I shared Christ with them. And I made them pinpoint, where did it all go wrong? They always say, well, uh, you know, drugs and alcohol. And I said, no, that's not where it went wrong. you got to dig deeper. you got to get down to the roots. And I finally got them to realize where they went wrong is that crowd that they started to hang with. They didn't have any care about God or anything else at all. And so you, as the scripture, you drift away without realizing it. Long story short, all three of them gave their life to Jesus. All three of them were weeping and crying. Nobody told them to cry. Nobody told them to cry. And they had a true, simple understanding that Jesus is the way and life and everything that we do. Keep it simple, but... In a matter of five to seven minutes, they were admitting, I need help. And you can't do that in society. You can't do that in open air. But when you go into prison, yeah, yes, as you well know, they admit that they got a problem. And we have great success because let him increase and let us decrease. A question I've had in my mind an awful long time, even after Grove Norwood dragged me into prison for the first time. And I never stopped going since then. That big question of what is it? What is it that, that, that makes the church so not ambivalent, but indifferent toward what is really happening with within the prison system? I mean, we we look at this and say, "Oh, oh good, good boys, that's that's nice," but to get seriously involved is a whole different ballgame. What do you think? Why they're not participating is basically what you're asking. Yeah. Is that what I'm, I'm hearing you? Oh gosh, that's a sensitive subject. Uh, uh, I truly don't know the answer to that. I, I know I would guess nationwide. Ninety, at least ninety percent of all of our pastors have never walked inside of a prison. Yeah, I think so. Never walked inside the prison, and the attitude <clears throat> of inmates are that so many are rejected is because churches, pastors, etc. They only send the B, their B team or C team. Well, that's the way they look at it. it you know that the big whatever they don't have the time to go into prison, and I can't tell you. How many times I can name names that everybody that's got ears on this radio that, that would know who I'm talking about. Mike, that's not where God's called me. That's not where I'm supposed to go. Well, we need to break the scripture out and read it. So, But the bottom line is uh, thank God for those that are in the church that are willing to go, uh, even into the least of them, and uh, share the gospel. And then I know here in this state here, uh, TDCJ is amazing in how they open the doors oh. for volunteers to go and to do what God has called them to do. I've been in every state in this country. I dare say I've been in probably 80% of all the prisons here in America. And uh, TDCJ is second to none with their sensitivity of allowing people like us to go even into the least and share the good news of Jesus Christ. And uh, so you put all that together, you know, we just keep praying and believing that our key leaderships, our pastors and et cetera, the church will someday wake up, get involved, 
uh, and make an impact for the kingdom. Sometime, somewhere, um, I heard someone say, and, and I, I'm convinced of it myself, uh, that this is the greatest evangelism explosion this country will ever have until the end of time. It's not. It is. <laughs> it is. Exactly. It is the greatest yes. event. But, and I think because of the fact it's a little scary when you think about what you have to do to go into the least of these and proclaim the gospel, uh, you can easily find something else to do. Yes. But I think Bill and I have said this over and over. It's the greatest evangelistic explosion this world is ever going to see in prisons. Absolutely. You know, it's been many prophecies that the end time revival will be will come from inside prison. And I'm very careful about prophecies, and I, I pay real careful, you know. And unfortunately, the majority of them, I let, I let them go in one ear and out the other. But I truly believe that that's going to happen. You know, you look at the Apostle Paul, you know, inspired by, by God, uh, two-thirds of our New Testament that we read, uh, you know, came from and through the Apostle Paul in prison, etc. Uh, and that's true. Uh, but and it goes back to what I said earlier, because there's true liberty, there's true freedom inside the prison. And there are so many men and women of God uh, inside these prisons, exactly. teachers, evangelists, etc. I've got a gentleman right now. I can't say the prison, but he was third man, uh, highest man in the nation in the Aaron Brotherhood. Uh, long story short, locked up, cuffs, ankles, all day long, for years, you know. Here recently, radically, radically saved, uh, baptized, came up out of the water, black inmate at the end of the, the baptistry. They allow him, puts his arm around him, please forgive me for what I've done for your race. Today that man is an evangelist, if there is evangelist on planet Earth today. He has poured into the word. I've had the privilege of sharing a lot with him, feeding him material and et cetera. And, and I've made it clear. I said, you're an evangelist. You, you, you may be in prison and you are in prison and you're going to spend a whole lot more in a year. But you're an evangelist today is more than anywhere else. And uh, it's amazing what he's doing. And I could go on and on and on about that there. But uh we're we're privileged to go into an arena that truly uh, there is a zeal there for Jesus, um, an excitement there that's making a difference for the kingdom of God. I could sit here for hours and give you one testimony after the other of testimonies of, of just amazing men and women that are now out successful in the world financially, all because... Of the name of Jesus. Let me pause for just a minute. We're going to get into this is- issue of captive audiences. I love yeah. that. Yeah. We would like to remind you that this program is listener supported. Evangelical Life Ministries has been around for a long time. We are a 501c3 not for profit organization, and every one of our hosts are volunteers. Your donations help us to remain on the air. You can go to the website, which is elmhouston.org, to donate online, or you can send your support to, and I'll give you the address, ELM PO Box 568, Cypress, Texas 77410. 
Also at our website, elmhouston.org, you can access podcasts of past program tro- Engaging Truth programs, or you can use the contact tab to ask us a question, comment on our programming, or even submit a prayer request. Back to Mike Barber. You know, a long time ago, so I guess probably in the seminary, I ran across uh, the book of Philippians, and we were studying that in the original language. And Philippians chapter 1, where Paul is in, has a captive audience of uh, the Praetorian Guard. And um, what do you do with a captive audience? You don't tell them about your sore wrists or ankles. You tell them about Jesus. And he had six to eight hours to do that. How wonderfully obvious to me that that's exactly what happens in prisons as well. you got a captive audience that never will get away. Absolutely. You know, and I love that passage, you know. He goes, I want you to know that the circumstances that happened to me has turned out for the greater progress of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Question, is he the same yesterday, today, and forever? Yes, he is. I'm the Lord God, and I change not. And so whatever he did then, he still does today and eager to do more. In prison, there's a captive audience. But again, it goes back within that audience. There is a freedom. There is a joy. There is a peace that goes beyond words. When we truly, I tell you what inmates do, they grab the genuine value of what it is to be a child of God. What you value, you love. What you value, you trust. What you value, you protect. And there is a true value with the man. I I visited with a man here a while back, had three weeks to live, ate up with cancer. I went back. He wanted to meet me. And I got down on my knee in that wheelchair, and I could tell by his countenance that he knew Jesus. It just glowed. And as I said, given three weeks to live, and I, I and I asked him, I said, do you believe that Jesus can touch you and heal you? And he said, Jesus can do anything. That's value. You know who he is. I prayed for him. I didn't heal him. Jesus did. Took him to heaven. Right after that. No, 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 no. Right after that, the chaplain calls me. Brother Mike, if you could only see what I'm seeing right now. I said, what? He says, you know the guy you prayed for? Giving three, he's running basketball full court. He'd been totally healed. I believe that healing comes from the true meaning of value. Who you are. And this captive audience that we have in prison. That's why revival is taking place, because they value the fact that I was lost, but I've been found because of my relationship with Jesus Christ. The only gift that can get us to heaven is the gift of salvation, and that we must pray with our mouth and with our heart receive him. If there's anybody listening at this very moment, I'm saying this for you. Exactly. Speak it with your mouth. Lord Jesus, be the Lord of my life. And with my heart, I receive you. I value what you did on the cross for me. As you and I, probably many times, we tell inmates, he doesn't know you by a number. He knows you by your name. He values you. He values you by hanging on the cross. Value him back by living for him. 
and be an example for him. And that's uh, what we do inside prisons and not just out of prison, but that's the way we should do when we're here out in public. Some There's a thought in your mind that never goes away about someone who has done and said something to you that you can use forever because it never goes away. What is that situation? That never goes away? Um, great question. Um, knowing I've been forgiven is everything. And one step further than that, that I think needs to be preached more, to be honest with you, in pulpits. Because I'm real heavy in this in my ministering inside prisons. Is that he forgives. But greater than that is he forgets. As though it never happened. And corporate America don't forget. But he does. As though it never, ever, ever happened. So... Knowing I'm truly forgiven, Mike Barber, the credit that he was. You know, I've never drank, I've never done drugs, but I had a violent temper. I've had to fight that temper my whole life. It's my thorn in the side, if you want to say. And to know that I'm forgiven, to look at where I am about this, I get the privilege of visiting with you on radio. Knowing that how could God forgive me and my attitude and the way I've acted so many times, but yet... He did. And I'll put it like this. You know, when he looked down at Peter and says, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Do you think Jesus didn't see his dirt? You think Jesus didn't see all his trash? But see, God is a gold digger. And that's what me and you are. We're gold diggers. We don't look at people's dirt. There's gold inside that body. And when we go into print, we're gold diggers. I ain't interested in your dirt. God wasn't interested in Peter's dirt. You think Jesus didn't know he was going to deny him three times and all the other stuff? Peter was a critter. But God said, boy, look at that heart. I can use that heart. I'm going to mold him. I'm going to get rid of all that dirt. And when I do, and I want everybody to listen to me and sound the voice, there's gold inside your body. That heart's full of gold. You're not a bad person. Yeah, you got dirt on you. We all got dirt. But uh, God can take that dirt and remove it if you truly value him and make him the Lord of your life. And he can do take it impossible and make it possible every time. So what I value the most, I know I've been forgiven. I know that. Just like I knew I could play the game of football many years. I knew I could. I knew I could. As a little kid, I spoke it. I knew I could. And I faked him out for 10 years at the top. And today, I know that I am a child of God. I've been completely forgiven. I'm brand new, day in, day out, because of his love for us. One last question. We've got about a minute and two-thirds. Okay. Um, looking, peeking around the corner. We don't know what tomorrow's going to bring, but we do have some hopes and some aspirations. What does what Mike Barber see around the corner? Truly what I see, the game is rigged, we win. That's what I see. We don't give up. We don't quit. We keep fighting the good fight of faith. And uh, uh, the best is yet to come. Regardless of who's in Washington, exactly. it's, that doesn't matter. What matters is who's in my heart. And Jesus is Lord of my life. 
And if I had my life all to do over again, I would never play sports. I'd be ordained at a very young age. I'd study the Word of God, get a degree, and I'd have started living my life inside prisons at a much earlier age. Mike, I want to say thank you. This is always an exciting time. 24 minutes goes in two and a half minutes around here. Yeah. Uh, thank you for being part of that uh, ministry that in which people's lives are transformed in ways that we cannot ever, ever try and explain. Thank you for being here, and thank you for being in the listening audience tonight on Engaging Truths. Good night. Thank you for listening to this broadcast of Engaging Truth. Be sure to join us each week at this time. To help support our ministry, contact Evangelical Life Ministries, Post Office Box 568, Cypress, Texas, 77410, or visit our website at elmhouston.org, or find us on Facebook at Evangelical Life Ministries. Thank you.